Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Have you got your Bible here? Wave it and make the devil scared. Come on, wave it. Yeah, your device, you've got a phone or an iPad or something like that, yeah? Uh, wave it and you make him so terrified because you know what the Word of God says. And if you want to make him even more scared, get a notebook and pen out. Because now he's really getting bothered because now he says, these guys are going to study the Word. Holy Spirit, I need some help. I need you to help me right now speak your words, not mine. Would you interpret, would you soften, would you highlight the words that I make appropriate to every single person here? Holy Spirit, would you help me to open my ears so that I might hear your words? Help me to take those words and plant them in my heart that I might bear fruit in my life. I ask this for myself, but I know there's a lot of people asking as well. So we ask it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we are busy with a series called Live to Love. And this is most probably the single most challenging series that I have ever done. I've got a confession to make. I was having a right wine and a moan with the Lord this week. I said, you've given me a really boring topic. I said, how do I make this exciting? How do I get people to actually enjoy this? And he said, Wayne, this is my gift to the body of Christ, and you calling my gift boring. And I felt terrible. How dare I call what God gives boring? So I repented, <laughs> being reprimanded of the Lord. I have the most exciting sermon <laughs> to share with you. <laughs> this is Power of Love, part two. If you didn't hear part one, and in fact, there was a precursor sermon as well called uh, Mission Impossible. I challenge you to go and listen to these on the, the web. On, on the internet or on Spotify or on iTunes and uh, listen to those first and then you come back and have a listen to this as well. Power of love. We know that love is like a curtain rail and on a curtain rail you hang curtains. Well, love is like a curtain rail. On this rail of love that we have, we can hang certain things. We can Everything, in fact, hangs from this curtain rail of love. Uh, the Galatians 5, 6 says, but faith works through love. I'm believing God for stuff. I'm believing God for miracles, health miracles. I'm believing for financial miracles. I'm believing for like supernatural to happen. I want people to come in this church with wheelchairs and walk out pushing the wheelchair. And then the Lord said, Wayne, it works by love. I have to do a love check, an MOT on my love life, not with Claire, but with the Lord. And just have a look and say, because faith works by love. Everything works by love. I took a read of 1 Corinthians 13, and I was horrified. We could have uh, uh, prophecies and words of knowledge and even incredible gifts and miracles of faith. But if you have not love, you're just a noisy symbol. Nothing is going to work in your life if we don't have love. Paul the Apostle, he, he encourages us to put on. He's writing in uh, Colossians 3, 12 to 14. 
since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, put on, one translation says, clothe yourself. Just think about it. How many of you got clothes in your cupboard, in your closet? You don't, you're not all wearing the same clothes every single day, right? You've got a bit of a choice. Okay, I've got a revelation for some of you. Please change. <laughs> there are other clothes out there. I have got, a, in my wardrobe, I've got, got about six pairs of blue jeans. <laughs> uh, it is. I'm a messy eater. <laughs> I have... <laughs> <laughs> it runs in the family, by the way. <laughs> Every morning, I choose to put on my clothes. And, and Paul is saying that love has been deposited in our hearts, but I woke up this morning, and did I choose to put on love? I've I, I got to admit, I've got a problem with this area, because when I get in the shower, my head goes. And I, I can't tell you how many mornings I'm having a fight with somebody in my shower. Not really, but in my mind. I will tell them off. And then I'm, 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 I'm really almost rubbing the skin off my, my, myself, you know, because I'm, I'm getting angry. I've allowed my head to go, wait, stop, Wayne, stop, time out. Put on love. And I had to make a couple of decisions over the last couple of weeks and months. I choose to put on love. Why? It's raining outside. I choose to go and brace myself for the storm that's coming. I choose to put on Love. Don't raise your hands. How many of you chose to put on love this morning? Or did you just roll out of bed? Power of love. The love of God isn't an emotion. It's not a feeling that you have. It's not an attraction that we have. It's made from our will, and it's a choice that we make. That's why Paul said, put it on. God, love is so profound, it knows no limits. It will go any extreme, it will go wide, high, deep, it will go long, it will do whatever you need to do to show love to another person. Love, the love of God, is actually a self-sacrificing type of love. It means I would prefer you over me. My goodness, I found out the last couple of weeks, I'm a selfish so-and-so. I do. I've suddenly realized that I want my way, and I want this, and I want my cake, and I want to eat it. And all of a sudden, God's saying, Psst, Wayne, it's not all about you. It's about somebody else, too. So I'm having to do a bit of a reality check with myself. Love is always moved to action. It can't sit passively by. It has to move. Love is so strong, it's compelled to show love on another individual, even if the other individual doesn't reciprocate and show love back. It still shows love. It still helps out. Even if the other person is as stiff as a tin soldier. Claire was sharing with us a couple of weeks ago when she started the series, and she said love is like a balloon. And, and we need to hold this balloon because it belongs to someone. This represents, this yellow balloon represents my heart. And you know, in life, you have some storms, and you get squeezed. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. Look at this. The Word of God says in 1 John 4:19, We love Him. I love Him because He first loved me. Yeah. Oh man, isn't that incredible? 
He loves me. You see, God gives us love, and when Irene love or peace comes into my heart, God's peace covers my heart and says, Wayne, I know you're going through a hard time. I'm going to case your heart in my love. And he takes my heart, and God loves me first, and he just wraps it up in peace. Isn't that amazing? And Jesus himself says, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. You see, the world's peace is dependent on stuff happening. That's nice and comfortable. But God's peace is even in the hard times, then I'm going to encase you and I'm going to hold you tight. God loves me. Goes on, love, rest in joy. When you're feeling squashed and squeezed and you're about to pop because these, it's so, the pressure of life is getting so strong, the joy of the Lord comes in and starts to push back and starts to propel that it's a God-given force that operates in our lives because joy is not an emotion. It's given to us by God supernaturally. It's not ha, 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 he, he, he. It's a force. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And when I'm feeling a little bit deflated, almighty God goes, and he pumps me back up. And he gives me a bit of his joy. Isn't that amazing? We were looking at this scripture here, Galatians 5, uh, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit or the harvest that is produced in us by the Holy Spirit is divine love. And that's the joy and the peace. You see, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, all of these are just attributes of love. So we took a look last week at joy and peace. It is my privilege this morning, and I'd like to share with you the kindness of God, kindness in action. But when you look at it from a biblical perspective, it's to be compassionate, to be considerate, Sympathetic, humane, kind, and gentle. One of these Bible scholars, these clever guys, these theologian chaps, he writes and he says, when you look at kindness in terms of interpersonal relationships, it brings across the idea of kindness of being adaptable to somebody else. I'll say that again. Kindness could also be interpreted as being adaptable to somebody else. You see, the first two were all about my heart. But now I would like to take your heart into my hands. And this time, how can I be adaptable? How can I help you? Is there anything that I could do to make your life a little bit better? How could I rephrase what I just said so that you could understand that better? I want to be adaptable to somebody else. Kindness isn't about me so much now. It's about somebody else, holding somebody else in your hands. The Apostle Paul, he was very good at this. He showed kindness. In 1 Corinthians 9, he said, to the Jew, I became Jewish, that I might gain them. To those under the law, I became under the law, that I might gain them. To the weak, I became weak, that I might gain them. Is there any way that I can present the gospel to you so that you could better understand it? But now just hang on a minute. He goes and qualifies that a little bit. He says, hang on, I still submit to the laws of God and Jesus Christ. He will not go into sin to try and win somebody. But he will try and present the gospel differently so that you might understand it. He says these words here. I have become all things to all men that I by all means might save some. Are you prepared to be kind? Or have you said these words? Excuse me. If you don't like the way I am, you can just lump it. I'm not changing for anyone. 
Anyone heard those words? Far too often. That's not kindness. That's the exact opposite of kindness. How can I be different for you? Is there any way that I can change that would help you? I saw a perfect example of of Jesus. Jesus laid down his life. It says here in Philippians 2, Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus said, hey, I could stay just up in heaven, but I can't help you if I just stay up there. I'm prepared to be kind. I'm going to come down and become like you. I'm going to become a son of man the spotless son of man. I'm going to be adaptable. I'm going to take on that likeness so I can reach you. Jesus is kind. Isn't that amazing? Wasn't Jesus called Emmanuel in Matthew 1.23, God with us? He became adaptable and said, how can I come and be with you to help you? Because I want to be kind to you. Emmanuel being with somebody else. Jesus said these words, and this hurts. Block your ears. There's no greater love than a man who lays down his life for his friends. Matthew 15, 13. Wow, I was challenged. Do I come to church expecting everything just to be about me? Or am I coming to say, Lord, how can I help somebody else? What can I do to help somebody else? Yesterday, I saw in action... Three or four guys work from 2 o'clock till 9 o'clock at night putting together this awesome church that we have. They showed attributes that I just marveled and said, wow, that is kindness. That's love in action. That's amazing. Take of their personal time to how can I help you, Wayne? They could have made me set this all up by myself. Thank God they helped. (laughs) I've got a challenge for you. Will you be adaptable for others? Jesus did. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I'm so thankful he did that, aren't you? That's what real kindness is all about. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you prepared to put on kindness? Are you prepared to ask and say, how can I be helpful? How can I help somebody else? How can I change? How can I rephrase that for you? The next one that I'd like to talk about is goodness. Goodness, a life full of virtue. The meaning is to be good to someone, from the dictionary. A person who's generous, big-hearted, liberal, charitable with finances. And we see Jesus again, our example. Look at this in Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. Good there is the verb form of that word. Doing good is a verb. Doing good. And healing all who are oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now we know that Jesus had significant funds available to him. When, when he was two years old, the wise men brought him gifts. And Bible scholars will tell us that the gold, frankincense, and myrrh that they brought him would be around five million pounds in today's type of money. That's what they reckon the the cost would have been. I'm just doing the research. Uh, We know the Bible says explicitly that there were wealthy women who were supporting his ministry. 
There's a revelation for someone there. Okay, somebody say amen. How many poor people do you know that hire a bookkeeper or an accountant to go around with you? was to distribute to others. Now listen, we all know that if I had to lay hands on someone and say, be healed in the name of Jesus, I need the power of the Holy Ghost. That verse tells it. Even Jesus needed the power of the Holy Ghost. When he went into the Jordan River, he, needed, he was endured with power from on high. So we need the Holy Spirit to be able to do those works. How many of you have prayed, Holy Spirit, I'm about to sow some seed or give to a charity Please, would you help me give some money now? Because that's what it says. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit with power who went about doing good. Pause. The Holy Spirit is there to help you to do good. Pause. And then you can heal the sick and raise the dead and do everything else. We just wipe over that, don't we? Oh, Lord, Holy Spirit, when it's first fruits and there's the principle of first. Holy Spirit, would you help me right now? How much should I give? When you come up and you say, oh, I'm going to give five quid, maybe it's the Holy Spirit says give ten. Holy Spirit wants to help us in every avenue. We have a generous church. This isn't to nail you guys. Last year, we raised over, well, over seven and a half thousand to build a church in Nepal, put a roof on another. We are a generous church. We show goodness. Maybe this fruit of the Spirit is operating in you. The Holy Spirit is working. So this isn't a lambasing. This is actually the opposite. Say, come on, bring it on, Holy Spirit. How much more? Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not forget to do good and share with others. These sacrifices please God. Luke three eleven. If you have two shirts or six pairs of jeans, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with someone else who's hungry. I love Proverbs 19, verse 17. If you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord, and He will repay you. I don't think God's going to ever let you go short. You want to get involved with this goodness. Just by the way, if you want to study out the Greek words, when goodness is word, that word they're doing good, the verb form, it is almost exclusively in the Bible used with regards to financial giving and blessing others. Are we a proud, prepared to give and be blessed? You see, Luke 6.38 says, Give and it will be given to you. A large quantity pressed down together, shaken and running over. You're no man's dead. God's not going to ever let you come up short. He'll never let you come up short. Are you prepared to be kind to somebody and then bless others and give to others? Steve was mentioning our church culture and how we behave, and, and, and values that we really uh, celebrate in our church. And one of them, he mentioned one which was excellence. I'd just like to mention another one. Just in passing, it's called giving. And one of the things in this church that we believe in very, very strongly, am I responding generously? Because I can see life through your eyes. See, I see life through your eyes is kindness. That's what it is. Am I adaptable to you? Because I can see life through your eyes. I can see you hurting, you're suffering, so I'm going to do this to help you because I'm generous. Uh, the, the, the goodness, am I responding generously? This statement, you notice we didn't talk about money. Those guys that helped yesterday for six hours or nine hours or something like that, they gave of their time, which I believe is most probably more valuable than their money. Had I asked them for 20 quid each, I'm sure they would have given it to me gladly and gone home to be with their wives. Are we prepared to give 
our time generously because I see life through your eyes? Am I prepared to give my gifts and my talents that God's blessed me with, my singing ability? Will I give that to the church? Are you prepared to give and be generous? Yeah, it's the power of love. Well, Wayne, I needed something, and uh, you didn't come to my rescue. You weren't kind to me, and uh, I was without, and you didn't help me, and you you could be getting very agitated about now. This church doesn't love me. They didn't choose my color for the walls. (laughs) What's this with another shade of gray? If I see any more gray, I'm... You see, love is looking after someone else. The Bible says this, and I want you to um, have a look at this. This is in Matthew 7, verse 5. 7, verse 5 says this. You hypocrites, first take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Guys, listen, agape love isn't about you. It's about somebody else. Well, I tried to help you with my time, and you didn't appreciate it much, so that was the last time. No, wait, that's not love. That's not love. I know this is challenging for some of us. That's not love. The third one that I'd like to, fruit of the Spirit that I'd like to talk about, is patience. Patience that endures. You know, we, we've all had it where um, people don't appreciate what we do for them. Not so. And uh, they fail to listen to your counsel. They fail to value you. They fail to appreciate what you contributed. They rant about things. Have you ever heard this word, excuse me, but I'm not your doormat? You can't just wipe your feet on me. And you... Wayne now coming and I'm saying, would you be adaptable and kind to someone? But I'm not a doormat. I have rights. Now you want me to be good. How long do you want me to be good? Can we see life through their eyes? The third gift, the third fruit of the Spirit that I want to talk about this morning is patience that endures. That word patience is translated throughout the Bible in numerous different ways. It's called patience long-suffering, some very fancy words that I don't even understand. Has anyone heard of forbearance? Forbearance? Sounds like the front part of a car with springs or something. Forbearance. Endurance. Endurance. I, I did some Greek study on this word this week. And, and the Greek word is macrothemia for patience. Macrothemia. And it's a compound word that's built up of two parts. Macros which means long. In fact, we get the word macaroni from macros, okay, which is a long noodle. It's something distant, something remote. It's long in duration. But then the second half is thumos. Thumos means anger. I'm furious that my PowerPoint's not working. <laughs> Mad as a hatter. So now I need patience. I need to have what? It's a restraint of that swelling emotion. I, I, I want to patient, be long-suffering, forbearance with it. It's like be having a candle with a long wick. In 1 Thessalonians 5, do you want to turn there quickly? 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to read verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, command and comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. Will I be patient with you while you coming around? Will I hold you gently like this balloon and say, I'm going to be kind, I'm going to be good to you, but I'm also going to be patient with you because I know God's not finished working with you. How can I help you? You want me to do what? Oh my goodness, I've been doing that for a year. Will you be consistent, patient? Will you continue to hold that person? There's another way of Translating the word patience, though, there's a couple more adjectives that I'd like to bring to you. Perseverance, steadfastness, and endurance. These kind of apply more to me, I've noticed. You see, the Bible says we all have adversity. We all have tough times. Will I be patient waiting for the Lord to be kind to me? Or am I going to give up at the first hurdle? Will I be patient while the Lord, as He becomes and be, is good to me? Or will I give up at the second hurdle? The Bible says, and Paul said, What persecutions I endured, but the Lord delivered me. Sometimes you had to go through stuff. But are you prepared to be patient, steadfast, keeping on with Him, not letting go, because He's going to come through? Psalms 34 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered from them all. Here's a lovely verse. You've got to turn in your Bibles to see this, and I'm going to end with this one. Hebrews chapter 10. It's right at the back of the book. Hebrews 10, and I want to read verse 35 and 36. The Bible says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Verse 36 says, For you have need of endurance or patience, consistency, long-suffering, that after you have done the will of God, you may and you will receive the promise. He has a promise for us. If you hang on, if you stick to what God is telling you, the word, what the God promise, the word of God promises you, if you stick to it a little longer, God's going to come through. He says, you will. It's going to come up. It's not an option. It's not an if. It's a, it will happen. Are we prepared to hold on? Are we prepared to carry on even when life throws us carrots, even when it's throwing us hard times? Are you prepared to be kind? Are you prepared to be patient? Are you prepared to be long-suffering and not let go? Here are the disciples. They're in a storm in life. They've been tossed. The wind is blowing. Man, I tell you, I've never seen so much wind over the last two weeks. Have you ever? My goodness, it's the most windy season I've ever experienced in England. Raining and windy. The disciples were in a boat being tossed around. The boat was filling up with water. And there's Jesus taking a stroll, walking on the water. And Peter says, hey, hey up. Is that you, Jesus? He says, yeah, it is. He says, can I come to you and I walk on the water? And Jesus says, yes. 
Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water. There's the faith, but he takes his eyes off of Jesus. He starts to look at the wind. He looks at the circumstances and he begins to sink. You see, he's lost his patience. Oh, thank God Jesus is right there. He grabs him by the hand and picks him up and he walks him back to the boat. But Jesus says these words. Jesus says in Matthew 14, verse 31, he says, Oh, you of little faith. If you look up those words, it doesn't mean he didn't have faith. Listen, I haven't walked on water yet. Peter was walking on the water. He had faith. It actually says in the Greek, Oh, you of little duration or bursts of faith. You tried and you stopped. You tried and you stopped. I believe healing. Now I'll go to the doctor. There's nothing wrong with doctors. But did you give up on believing for healing? I'm trusting God for a new job. And then, no, he'll never give me. James says when you're tossed around like that, you never receive anything. You've lost your endurance. You've lost your patience. If you'll just be keeping on and you say, I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to take this. I put on this morning. Put on like Paul said, I put on patience. Yes, I can't see the solution right now, but I still put it on. I'm going to hang in there. I'm not giving up. With my dying breath, I will still believe the Bible. I don't care what happens. I will not move. I believe God is bigger than this circumstance. There's a chappy in the Bible. You might have heard of him. Abe. Heard of Abe? Abraham. Maybe you've, you've, Abe, you, he, he, he's just praying and, and God comes on the scene. God comes to Abe uh, and he says, listen, I'm going to make you great. Oh, thank you. That's really cool. Thanks. I, I love that. Oh, I'll make you famous. Uh, I'm going to bless you. And in fact, all the, the nations of the world are going to be blessed because of you. Thank you, man. Oh, man. Be buddies. Thank you so much. It's so kind of you. He says, Abram. I actually want to give you a son, and I know you don't have any kids. Thank you, Lord. Abe was a youngster. He was only 75. (laughs) I feel you. I feel you. (laughs) 75, and he swallows hard. He says, excuse me? Yeah, I, I, I want to give you a son. He goes, one year, no son. Two years, no son. Three years, no son. Eleven years go by, no son, no answer. Abraham was suffering long. He was hanging in there. God appears to him and says, Abraham, look at the stars. I'll even make a covenant. He says, how will I know that that's going to happen? I'll make a blood covenant with you. And God makes a covenant with Abraham. And still, nothing. Year 12. 13, 14, 15, 16, 24 years go by and Abraham still hasn't got the promise. He still doesn't have a son. He could have, stick it, see if I care, this stuff doesn't work. He didn't. God appears to him shows in the stars again and say, Abram, look at all those stars. That's how your kid's going to be. Man, isn't that taking your nose and rubbing it in? You haven't got a kid yet. 
and God's showing you pictures like that. Look at the sand. Let the, the sand dribble through your fingers at the beach, and, and your kids are going to be like, what? He gave something to look at. God says, I want to help you, Abe. I want to change your name. I don't want you to walk around just saying, I'm Abram. I want you to say, I am Abraham, a faith statement. Abraham means a father. And you know your, your sexy wife over there, Sarai? Change her name. Call her Sarah. And when Sarah calls him and says, Father of nation, supper's ready. Oh, sorry, tea's ready. And he comes running in. He's now 99 years old. Okay, so maybe he walked in. <laughs> Zimmer framed in. I don't know. He believed God. And when he started to change what he said about the word of God, and he started to believe the word of God, a year later, he had Isaac. 24, 25, 24 years in total. In the 25th year, he got his son. He endured. He was patient. You might be going through something. You might be having a storm in life. And things are hard right now. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe a relationship's gone wrong on you. Maybe finances is really, really tight. I want you to know, if you'll believe his promises, God's going to come through. Amen. There's just one little thing that I didn't tell you, you see. When God visited him on the last visit, when he was, had been waiting for 24, he didn't just say, I'm changing your name. He also said, I am the God called El Shaddai. I am the Almighty God. There's nothing too hard for me. I can stop the moon and the, the sun from moving. I was the one who flung the stars into place. I'm the one who parted the seas. I can, do anything. I can throw hailstones at your enemies or send wasps and bees after them. I can do anything that I need to do because I'm Almighty God. I want to tell you this morning, I don't care what you're going through because I know a man called Almighty God. And if you'll put your trust in the Word of God, if you'll put your trust in Him, I'm telling you now, Almighty God's going to come through and you can have what you were believing for if you don't throw away your confidence, if you'll believe in Him. I challenge you this morning, put on agape love. Don't let a little bit of aggro get between you and your promised land or the victory that you're wanting. Show that love and say, Lord, I choose this morning to put on your joy. I put on your peace. I put on your kindness. I put on your goodness. I put on your endurance and your patience. Bow your heads for a moment. You might be thinking, Wayne, I've really messed up because I have given up. I've given up on God. I do it once a week. I believe and then I give up. And then I believe and I give up. And I believe and I give up. You know, the Bible in Romans chapter 4 says that Abraham didn't grow weak in his faith, but he believed God. I want you to know that Abraham did actually grow weak. After 11 years of nothing, he actually tried to help God out. Abram went to Sarah's wife, uh, to his wife and said, Hey, give me your maid I'll sleep with her. Maybe I can get a kid via the servant girl. 
and he, he messed up God's original plan. That wasn't what God wanted. And you might have done the same, but I've got news for you, good news for you. When you believe God and you say, I'm prepared to start again, God wipes that slate clean. And in Romans chapter 4, he declares and says, Abraham never wavered in faith. He believed God. I don't care how many times you've given up on God over the last week, the last month, the last year. I've got news for you. If you come to him again, he's faithful. And he will just say, come here, my child. I still love you. You can start again. You can carry on. I'm not going to give up on you. Why? He's kind. Why? He's good. Why? He's got a God I love and he loves you more than anything else. Isn't that amazing? We welcome you, Holy Spirit, now. Would you fill this place?